Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to The Psychologists Are In. I am Maggie Lawson. And I'm her podcast partner in crime, Timothy Elmitson. And this week, we are talking about season five, episode one, Romeo and Juliet and Juliet. Like, we're in season five. This is crazy. It's bonkers. And we wouldn't be here if it weren't for all of you incredible psychos. We love you so much. So without further ado, let's podcast the shit out of season five, huh? Tim, Maggie. put them back on. I need okay. to see them right okay. now. OMG. <laughs> Wait, can I just take credit? Are these the ones I picked out? You, 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 you proved. I approved. I, I love, I, I sign off on my approval. These are fantastic. These might, these might be the, my favorite glasses I've ever oh, seen. These are my attempt at Marcella Mastriani. That you look better than him. God bless you, my glasses. friend. You're you have like, best. your hair's got a little more poof to it today. <laughs> You look great. Thanks. I feel I just washed my hair. I was getting made fun of for um, my dirty hair as I was wearing my little cap last week, which I I actually like. Wait, I was going to ask you. I like your cap. Should I wear should I put my hat on? It's almost it's too it's almost it gets a little um flared. It's kind of a little bright. It's real bright, isn't it? All right, we're taking it off. Anyway. And actually good. and your hair is very season 5 color. It is. It's a little darker at the top. It's funny. My hair goes through so I've had highlights. This is hilarious. I'm sure everyone's very much enjoying this. You know, I've had highlights kind of down here, but I was letting all the natural grow in and it is a little bit darker, which is very on brand for season five, episode one of, uh, that we're talking about today. Holy shit. Maggie, does that mean we're starting the fifth season of the psychologists are in a psychology podcast? It's true. <laughs> it's true. And I also kind of reject it because it's going too fast. I, I'm having some trouble. Actually, as I watched the episode, which I just watched today, I was, for some reason, maybe, I don't know what it was. I started to get really, like, I get nostalgic every time we, you know, do an episode or watch these. But for some reason, this one in particular, I think it was just season five. It was post- Yin, you know, us having that moment start, you know, coming yeah. back. And I, I don't know. I just felt I, I started to, the memories start to get a little more vivid and a little more clear because it's the later seasons. And I watch it usually and I'm like, oh my God, we were, I, we had such a good time. We had such a good time. I love it so much. And today I watched it and I was like, man, I'd love to go back just for like a, like I was, I was really, I was actually kind of sad. I really mm -hmm. missed it today. 
I always miss it when we watch. Yeah, whenever we watch and rewatch an episode, because it's a psychoach podcast. Everybody, <laughs> I, I always get a little sad. It's like oh, I mean, it's it's that weird. I'm like, it's that it's that fine line between joyful and happy that we had it, the experience, and then sad that it's over. A hundred percent. So joyful and then so sad. Today, I think the sad just hit a little bit more. It's like, man, I really miss everybody and. What a time we were in then, you know? I think I'm just in a little bit of a nostalgic mood as well. Just, I miss those are like uh, some of our good old days. Wow, I, I, I'm I really bringing the room down. Not at all. You had mentioned a while ago that a bourbon fest or something. Yes, and I'm on it. I'm still trying to make that happen. I think they're just putting the lineup together. They got Brandy Carlisle, like it's huge. And here's what's crazy. Tim, one of the main shots from today was the bank next to the Angel's Envy Distillery. No way. So when I first opened my phone to look it up, it it was this big building that says Angel's Envy. I mean, it's massive, the distillery, right? And I was just, and I was like, oh my God, I've been there. Like I was just there. I mean, it's my hometown. So, I mean, this is moments, minutes from my house. It's crazy. But anyway, I saw that and I almost sent it to you to say, and they've interviewed the, the owner of it many times today. Anyway, I'm so happy we get to do a, podcast today. It makes me really happy and feel good to see your face. Uh, Likewise. I mean, I mean we haven't even really talked since uh, I got back from New Orleans. And I got and back from it, New York. We haven't and, had like a real catch up yet. We've both just been like, no. you've been back. Ba- I just saw Mabel. Oh, you, did she go appearance? She walked by. She's yeah. Actually, I've had a very, you know, I've had just like a wacky couple of weeks. And I think yeah, you uh, used to that. Yeah. Which, of course, you said you had a wonky week, and then I got panicky because yeah. we couldn't talk about it because I was on a different time zone. And You were like, Maggie, it was like all caps. You didn't answer the question. How are you? <laughs> and I always know <laughs> when when I get that text, it's like, oh, he knows what's up. He knows what's up. Oh. He knows something's going on. <laughs> like you said the other day, I could be on, I could be on another planet. I'd know. I, he's like, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was like, Which only yeah. Sounds and then we stalkers. discovered... Huh? Which only sounds mildly stalkerish. Mildly stalkerish, yeah, yeah. But no, we had a weird technological thing happen where I I had like sent you something and you didn't get it, like a voice note, and you didn't get it. So you were worried. And then I was freaking out because you didn't get that and didn't know what was going on. And then you, anyway, we worked it. Guys, it's healthy. We're healthy. This is a healthy relationship. (laughs) It's not code. It's mildly codependent-ish. <laughs> um, it was good. It was good to catch catch. Parenthetically, up. massively codependent. Massively codependent. Hey, how was Nolens? By the um, way, it was that is a full-on town, yo. You were funny. We were both like, oh, it's haunted there. Of course, some ghost like came in and like took my voice recording and like you know. But what were you doing there? You were doing a convention, a supernatural I, I, convention. Yeah, right? I did, yeah, I did a supernatural convention for creation. And then um. And then we just, because Allison had never been, I shot a movie there in 2015. Allison had never been. So Allison and I took Nora with us. We made a little family vacation out of it. Love. I think that's top of my list next to go. You know, I've never been. You were sending me all the pictures because you're getting me. I was supposed to go not that long ago. And then I couldn't for some reason. And it's like not a place I want to go to and only have a couple days. Like I want to spend time there. I want to be in the culture. I want to like yeah, eat we'll get, and drink. I'll definitely give you the rundown of my do's and don'ts. Yeah. Also, your pictures look gorgeous. Like it just looks, it's very cool. We had a a great time. It was a little more humid than I thought it was going to be. Also, oh, was it? Humidity sounds good right now. It makes me, reminds me of Kentucky. 
whenever I get right. to feel the humidity. Also, in this little in this brief period of time we've had, which feels like ages that we haven't seen each other, Lily turned 21. She did just turn 21. And she was posting some of her work, her artwork, in celebration of her birthday. She is so freaking talented. I would agree. Thank you very much. My, yeah. my oldest daughter is an immensely talented artist, everyone. And, it, and she turned 21. Doesn't make me feel old at all. Same. I remember when we were shooting, like, they were babies. They well, were just babies. Then the really weird thing. You know that, that beautiful pine tree that was in front of my house? Yeah. Well, let's say was, because it's been dead for, well, since we've been reporting this tree, I had this, nobody cares about the story except for Maggie. I had this gorgeous old. Gorgeous. Hundreds of years old pine tree in front of my house on the street. That has been dead since like 2018. We started reporting this tree to the city because it was going to come down on either my house, neighbor's house, or one of these massive things was going to fall and kill somebody. Like and we've it, had it, crazy storms and wind. It was so dead, like bark was starting to just pop off it. So we'd walk out in the morning, and our yard would be covered, and this the sidewalk would be just covered in bark that's falling off this pine tree. So all the neighbors were really like people would avoid this this walking past their dogs past this tree. So all the neighbors started complaining to the city council. Finally took this death tree down after they declared it was a termite ridden and just dead as a doornail. Yeah. So that they finally came out after saying for years they were going to come out and take it down. They finally took it down the weekend of Lily's birthday, which was uh, even more traumatic. So it's like, it's this thing. It's, you've, all oh. seen, you've seen the pictures of the Halloween ghosts that we always hang. Yeah. It's very symbolic in a lot of ways. Like, you know, Lily turns 21. It's an iconic tree. Like you yeah, put really this ghost is. up every year for Halloween and like the neighborhood waits for it. It's always been the thing. It's like wild. So that tree is gone. That tree is not gone. But it happened the weekend. So I think literally neighbors that we've never met from two story, two streets over walking past and saying, but what about the ghost? Yeah. <laughs> it's like so, we, it's so, uh, yeah. So yeah. So it coincided with uh, that weekend was also Louis' birthday. So it was a big weekend of change a few weeks back. Big weekend of change. Yeah. You know, last week and there were there were horrible storms in Louisville in my hometown and my it wasn't removed but uh the wind removed it. We had a giant giant like elm in our backyard and it had just been there. You know, you just have those like visions in your childhood where you like look out the back window and like the trees are just there and the sun sets behind them and it's like Anyway, gone, fully came down. My mom is very lucky that the tree, it sort of fell in a way that took out, I don't know if this is interesting for anybody listening, but anyway, it took out a fence instead of our house. Thank goodness. But still some wacky weather. Wonder what that means. Wonder what the tree, there's something there. I feel like there's some symbolism there about roots and I don't know. Anyway. I'll take it. Oh, we're getting deep. It's the psychologist and we're in. We got to, we always go a little deep. On we're show. in, we got to go there. Maybe we should talk about this episode, though. First of all, I got to ask you a question. Oh, yeah. Tim, ask me. Maggie, my amazing <laughs> co-host and dear friend, are you ready to help me start podcasting the shit out of season five of The Psychologist are in a psychoach podcast? <laughs> I love I love the tag. I don't know why. I I've never it. been more ready. Actually, that's a lie because I'm still trying to slow it down. So I'm a little bit like, yes, of course, I'm always going to be here and ready to podcast the shit out of season five of The Psychologist Are In With You. 100%. I figured that was going to be your answer. And we have really exciting stuff coming up. First of all, next month, in just a few weeks, 
You and yeah. I are going to be at Motor City Comic Con in Detroit, Michigan. Cannot live, wait. I live can't wait. podcasting the shit out of it with all whatever beautiful psychos come to come out to help us. Come see us. Come out. Come be a part of the podcast. We need help. We need your help. We need your help to podcast the shit out of it. And you and I just made an executive decision. We yeah. Are, we are going to be talking about the psychonic musical episode. Yeah, we want to like really bring it for these like for the live podcast. You know, I feel like we should do something very exciting. And I feel like this is a special event and it deserves a special episode. And not that not that the other episodes aren't as special, but you know, there's something a little extra special about the musical. So this one's gonna be a special live podcast. Special live podcast just for you psychos. Get your tickets, come see us. We can't wait to see you. Motor City Comic Con Detroit. I recently learned that when I'm trying to work through something, whether emotional or like solve a problem or even learn lines for an audition or for a job, I recently discovered that walking while doing that for me is one of the best things I can do. There's something about the movement that is very helpful for me in a sort of problem-solving space. And it was a, a really cool thing to learn. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. I find, and I know I say this a lot on here, that the thing about therapy I find so helpful is that it helps you really strengthen your relationship with yourself and in turn, hopefully help you love yourself more so you can be better for all of your other relationships or at least understand yourself a little bit better. Boundaries has always been really hard for me. I can kind of know what they are, but actually honoring myself and holding myself to those boundaries is very much a challenge for me. And I do find that therapy has been really helpful in helping me do that, which is just another way of me getting to know and loving myself more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. It's so easy to use. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pineapple today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash pineapple. Now let's get into episode one. Okay. Romeo. Oh, wait, we forgot something. Hi, Tam. Hi, Maggie. All right, good. I feel better um, now. First of all. Okay. Episode one, Romeo and Juliet and Juliet, written and directed by our creator. Hero. Our leader. We love you so much, Steve Franks. Steve Franks. Okay, pineapple sighting. Oh, I didn't get this at all. Some lanterns. Did you get this, Tim? Not at all. Yeah. Some lanterns in the shots around Chinatown are shaped like pineapples. I um, like that little touch. I feel like I have a disclaimer that I really need to get out of the way before we re- get into the nuts and bolts of this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a big issue with this episode. Tell me. Not enough last yet. <laughs> yeah, because I'm all recovering from the, the trauma of Yin. Espe- that's especially why to have gone through what you, your character and then- and very we tan- went through. Very peripherally, my character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. went through it with uh, Yin, which, by the way, I just I listened to that episode on the on the plane ride home. Holy guacamole! That was a great episode with Ali Sheedy. She brought <laughs> the so goods. I mean, good. I knew she was going to bring the goods when we 
as soon as we we finished that episode, we immediately got on the text and we're like, oh my God, this is the best episode ever. She's I, like the best episode ever. Loved, was, loved. We were loved not her. incorrect. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cold open. Flashback to 1990. Young Sean and Gus get cornered by a bunch of bullies. Sean then convinces Gus to defend them both in the upcoming fight because he says, you know karate. But Gus corrects him, stating it's actually called wushu. Thus, the wushu runner begins. <laughs> Cut to present time. Sean and Gus are in the middle of an argument about who has to fire their new office assistant, Ken. Played by also, the amazing, the terribly funny Jerry Shea. Jerry Shea, so funny. Also, is, sorry, go ahead. We should have had more Ken. Well, we do. We get more Ken in um, episode 11. Ken comes back. I, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Okay, good. And that makes me feel better because I'm like, he's so good. Okay. They tell him the business is too slow for the need of an assistant, even though they hired him four days ago. <laughs> now working at the SVPD, Henry dressed to impress. Which yes. I got to say, remember when we got to that scene a few episodes back, I said, wait, did we ever, did the show ever go back to Henry actually taking this job? <laughs> we both said, no, I totally forgot that Henry agreed to take the job at the end of Yang. I forgot Yang. that. I forgot that as well. And I was also kind of shocked at the beginning of the season where I was like, oh my God, right, Henry, Henry. He's like in the station. Also dressed to impress, fixes his tie as Lassie comes around the corner exclaiming that he will not tell him what to do whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Back at the psych office, Sean guarantees that the crime is going to pick up. He just has a hunch. Meanwhile, during a parade in Santa Barbara's Chinatown, an important man named Mr. Arthur Chang is being interviewed by the media when suddenly a lone ninja dressed in black front flips over a wall into the festivities unnoticed. He then sneaks up behind Chang's daughter, and before everyone knows it, she's gone. Cue the credits. Back at the SBPD, Sean questions Buzz. She didn't come back on Monday. He sadly declines. Which, uh... Made my heart sink a little bit when I was watching. I was like, oh. Yeah. Because A, a man, so I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna have SPD SBPD moments with my dear O'Hara. Yeah. And the fact that O'Hara was going through the emotional trauma of what yeah. which yeah. which brings me back to my earlier problem with this episode. Sorry, Steve, of how after we just went through what we went through in the end of the last episode, to then not have you and I to anchor each other there was um yeah, to have like it a was, cohesive was, moment between the two of us. It was hard to, to watch. Of, but yeah. Mr. Chang stands in Chief Vic's office just as Sean and Gus arrive, hoping to get in on the kidnapping case. Then Chief Vic reminds Sean that she never called him, but he protests back. The case called him. Now that Henry works at the SBPD, he gets to determine if they need a consultant. So he shuts down Sean again. Luckily, Sean talks his way onto the case, kind of, and shortly thereafter leaves to go investigate the kidnapped girl's apartment. Sean theorizes that this is not your average kidnapping and that the victim is hiding something. He then finds a hidden compartment in her desk containing a necklace. Instead of taking this piece of evidence, yes. When uh, when Lazarus shows up and has that little scene with Henry and there's a little the desk pushing moment, mm-hmm. there's a very rare, and I don't know why this was, Lassie's got a bit of a five o'clock shadow. I noticed I, that. I, I didn't know what was going on. It's like, why, why am I so, uh, and my hair is a little more disheveled than it normally would be. Because you're a mess. You've also been through trauma, by I, the way. That, that's what I took it back to. It's like... Yeah. Because just like you and I are, are so connected in real life, Lassiter and O'Hare are so connected. He was feeling the trauma as well. I so, think that they keep each other kind of like, you know, connected to 
like, you know, I help take care of you. You help take care of me. And when either of us is not there or can't be there for the other one, you know, things kind of fall apart and it makes sense. But I, I noticed that that's kind of the thought I had too. I'm like, I don't know if this is on purpose, but you look great. I actually Good. liked the look. I wrote that down. I was like, oh, this is kind of a fun new Lassie look. And, and Lassie, I was finally, my hair is finally starting to, the buzz cut of season previous was yeah. finally, finally starting to get into the uh, more traditional season one pilot episode mm -hmm. of Lassie's hair. It looks, it looks good. There's lots of hair talk in this episode. Lots of hair talk coming. Yes. Sean theorizes this is not your average kidnapping and that the victim is hiding something. He then finds a hidden compartment in her desk containing a necklace. Instead of taking this piece of evidence straight to Lassie, like he should have, Sean and Gus take it to Juliet, who has since taken a desk job at City Hall, take time to heal from the PTSD from the Yin case. Yes. Y your face when Sean refers to City Hall's this huge library. The mail, it's, it's, the mail, yeah, the library, the 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 post office, the post whatever office. he says. Yeah. Yeah, it calls this huge post office. And you've got this great look of like, oh, you're so cute, but you're so dumb. <laughs> I feel like there's like a it's really, I remember Steve directing me in this a little bit because we were both like, I wouldn't have my full energy back. I'm definitely, and obviously the obvious, the thing is my hair is darker. You jumped the gun on me. So yes, you, uh, your hair is, uh, is a little darker, but, and it's a whole season five. It's a new season, new do. It's a new updo. Yeah. So not only is it slightly darker, it's, you look amazing this, in this episode. And we have to, of course, talk about what color you're wearing. You are rocking in a season five, like gangbusters, in a sapphire bottle blue top. Oh, sapphire, sorry, I sapphire specify. bottle blue. Sapphire gin bottle. Oh, sorry, sapphire gin. I was like, wait, what color is? Got it. Sapphire it's, it's, gin it's, it's not, bottle it's not, blue. It's not a dark sapphire. It's kind of a light sapphire gin bottle. Yeah. No, I, I like that color too. I was like, oh, I like this color. And so it wasn't quite oceanized. It was sapphire gin bottle. In addition to the blouse, you're wearing like a very sharp, it looked like almost a linen pantsuit. Yeah, we're, the we're, colors we're, are a little different, I noticed. The colors are different. My makeup's different. The hair is different. And and, and I like it. Like it's it's a it's a much darker, I mean, I my hair was so blonde in the season before and like, you know, the colors were more pink and rosy. And then this is like the colors are all kind of brownish and uh, they're just like a earthy, you Which know. Which again mirrors the emotional trauma that, O'Hare is that recovering from. Going through, yeah. Okay, Juliet is hesitant to help but can't refuse once Sean piques her interest. She tells the guys that the evidence they found in the daughter's apartment is a Hong Kong 50-cent piece from the 1978 dynasty and its counterfeit. You're so funny in this episode where you just cannot, O'Hare just can't help herself because she's got knowledge. She wants to, she wants to lay it out there because she's so smart and knows this stuff. It's fun. And you guys are like pushing my buttons. That's good. We just did, Sorry, we missed a... Um, a psychic premonition. Oh. The scene where, sh where uh, Henry is sort of shutting down the boys and Sean goes and they, they discuss the great Easter egg mystery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I watched this episode yesterday, which for us, when I was- On Easter. Was Easter. I was like, oh, that, that's a little, of course. It's like, is that weird? Not for this show. It's, <laughs> it's what we do. It's a psychic moment, everybody. I love that. I love that. I didn't even, it's so funny. I did kind of think of that. And then I forgot you watched it yesterday. You actually watched it on Easter. Okay. Just then Sean and Gus catch Lassiter barging into City Hall, asking for help from Juliet as well. Sean shares the information about the 50 cent piece with Lassiter and immediately Lassiter postures that this could have been, this could have something to do with the triads being involved. He mentions the two rival triad gangs, the, the dragon triads and the golden triads. He warns Sean and Gus to stay far away from the triads as they are extremely dangerous. 
Obviously, Sean and Gus don't listen to Lasseter's warning and immediately go to the former their former assistant, Ken, who happens to be Asian, to get more information. All of this is very, very funny. The racist microaggressions and sometimes not microaggressions <laughs> are so hilarious to watch. I mean, not other than the racism, but it, it's I'm very- I'm so glad Ken calls it out. I'm so glad that yeah, Jerry Jay calls it Jerry out. Jerry was so yeah. good in this. Like his deadpan, like put upon- yeah, every every word out of their mouth is is, insul- is, is stereotypical. Insulting. It's a yes. It's not good. It's not good. We have an insider insight we pass by. Oh, so as the boys leave Juliet's temporary desk, they pass a um a city hall directory, which is full of names of our crew members, oh. including. Oh, um, really? I even missed that. It was a list of um offices in the city hall, mentioning our our dear uh, one time podcast guest, the amazing. Danny Miller. We love Dan Miller so much. We have to have Dan Miller back on, actually. Love that. That's a funny, that's a real fun fact. I like that. Ken brings up that they didn't even pay him for the last day and that Sean says yeah, he paid him in knowledge. During Sean and Gus's stakeout, Gus tells him that going forward, he must prepare his cover story three days in advance and run it by Gus before saying it to others. Sean and Gus walk into a bar and notice a suspicious figure leave as soon as he heard them say they're definitely not cops. They follow him as he walks into a sketchy scene with multiple men decked out with large guns, and just as Sean and Gus are about to leave, a gun gets pulled on them. That's when they get taken to the office of Mr. Chang, a secret Chinese gang ruler. Back at Ken's house, Sean sketches a dragon symbol, asking if Ken has any knowledge on where it would be, and of course says some slightly typecasting remarks. That's a nice way of putting it. That's when Ken tells him his parents work at Best Buy, but he does reveal a helpful tip that a martial arts studio has a symbol similar to that one outside its building. Now Sean and Gus visit Juliet again, and Lassie also (laughs) happens to be there. Then she threatens to have them banned from the office because of how needy they are and how often they visit. It's sweet. Sean and Gus then visit the martial arts studio, claiming they're there for a class, a class that happens to be for five to eight-year-olds. That's when the employee tells them that he can't take the class because he's an adult man, and Gus claims it's ageist of him, explaining that he's Sean's lawyer and will take him to court because of it. Also, the threat in the scene where he's like, I'm recording it. Say it again. I'm yeah. recording it. I'm like, Dude, so funny. And that's a psych premonition of, of today's world, I feel like, just in general, like where everything is recorded now. But go on. Yeah. And continuing the uh, the racism runner in this scene. Yeah, I mean... Like, Dulé asking which water fountain he could use is particularly funny in this moment in this piece of television. We really went for it in this one with those comments, uh, with those remarks. Then he asks to borrow his phone, and as the man declines as well, he claims he's racist too. And of course, Gus clarifies which fountain he's allowed to use just to push a knife into the wound. Oh, Devin wrote it. Love it. I During the karate class... Sean watches as members of the gangs move around the studio upstairs, and the teacher tells him he needs to focus more. Then Sean gets was it karate or was it wushu? Karate. I don't know. They're doing wushu. They're doing both. I've heard it both ways. Ah. I see what you did there. Damn, you're clever. Yeah. So Sean gets really into karate. His eyes bulging with excitement. After the class, Sean and Gus walk down some steps and argue over Sean fulfilling his childhood dream and Gus having to pay for it. Back at Juliet's office, Chief Vic and Juliet have a conversation, only using one word. Great. Juliet tells us she'll come back to work when she's ready. Yes. Hold on. I, I need to call something out. You are, now you've gone out of the sapphire gin bottle blue and are back in a very rosé blush, meaning it's our first Pepto drink of season five, everybody. Congratulations. Pepto drink, Pepto pink. Also, does this mean Juliet's coming back around maybe? Could be. We'll find out. 
Chifik tells her to know when the healing ends and the delaying begins. Then she drops off an ungodly amount of paperwork to, for Juliet to deal with. I That's didn't right. notice a popped Vic. Also, I'm very buttoned up. Like my shirts, you know, like I, I feel a little more tailored. I like it. Like I think this stays. I had like some new suits season five. I was into it. So much like the psychological gesture when people like cross their arms, you can say they're covering their heart space. Yes. Oh, Hera buttoned up is she's now gotten a little, I think her, her wardrobe has now gone into her psychological space. It so. has. It has though. Like it's, I, I like this. Back at the martial arts studio, Gus and Sean park outside and stake it out. That's when Gus spots the kidnapper breaking into the window above the studio. The two follow him by crashing through a window on the bottom floor. Sean notices the same dragon symbol from the studio sign tattooed on the kidnapper's hand stealing money. The two of them come clean and immediately get punched in the face. Yes. So I need, I need to go back a moment. We might have already passed by the phone when the boys make the phone call to Juliet. That's when we see her in the, in the Pepto drink. Drink everybody. And on that phone, she's back using her Pepto pink cell phone from Scary yes. Terry, the Mary Lou yes. Baumgartner phone. I love that that stays and my car stays. I mean, I still have the uh, lime green Volkswagen. It's so good. You got the but green grape. The two then get punched in the face. Then they run into more men and an intense fight scene commences in an attempt to help Sean and Gus grab cleaning supplies and then decide to chill out and let the real guys do the fighting. Once the fight ends, Sean and Gus follow the kidnapper and eventually make it to an apartment building where they see a jacket of the missing girl through a crack in the door. Sean bursts through the door and is immediately met with the image of the kidnapper kissing the supposed victim. Have we already hit the moment where, I mean, it's such a classic shot and it became a part of our opening credits when Sean jumps up and onto the fence, misses and the grip immediately completely off. <laughs> and falls down. Immediately it's bounces like off it. Famous. And it's so funny. And I forgot it was from this episode. And instead of, the cleaning supply, when instead of the brooms, he, when he pull, I, I don't know if we're going to hear it already. When he pulls out the sword and realizes it's, it's in like an ornamental sword. Yeah, it's an ornamental sword. Yeah, which uh, comes back around at the at the end. And we have to give a shout out to our dear hero, Steve Franks, for directing the shit out of these fight and action Fight scenes. scenes. They're incredible. That was like the biggest, for me, probably the biggest standout. I mean, obviously there's a lot going on and we're just coming back from such a big finale of season four. But like... The fight scenes in this were crazy and so well-directed. Sangtan, the supposed kidnapper, and Becky, the supposed kidnapped daughter, revealed to Sean and Gus that their fathers are the leaders of the Dragon Triads and the Golden Triads. When their relationship was discovered, they had to run away instead of facing their parents. Also, Becky's pregnant, so Sangtan wants to secure the money before a gang war breaks out between their families. Hence the title, Romeo and Juliet. And Juliet. And Juliet. There's a great, we're not there yet, but I'm, I'm going to jump to it now because I'm so excited for it. One Yay. of my favorite bits is when Sean comes to Juliet, again, trying to get her involved after he's realized it's Romeo and Juliet. And he says, you remember the movie, Romeo and Juliet? DiCaprio, Danes, and, and Eric goes, also a play. And he goes, eh. <laughs> that made me the LOL. Movie. It's good. It's good. Okay, back at the SVPD, Sean tells the chief that there was no kidnapping and leads the gang back to Becky and Sangtan's apartment to prove his theory. Unfortunately, they just received a picture of Becky tied up and found traces of blood on the couch. Henry tells Sean he thinks that Becky and Sang played them, but Sean disagrees, so he returns to City Hall, hoping Juliet will back up his theory. That's when she reveals that there are two Tan sons. Tenno Tan. What? And Sangtan, she also tells them that Tenno has a history of starting trouble between the two gangs. Sean quickly puts everything together. 
He claims that Tenno is the real kidnapper, saying Tenno wanted to take the inheritance of the gang away from his brother Sang. That's when Sean and Gus take matters into their own hands by paying a visit to the leader of the Dragon Triad in hopes he will tell them about Tenno's plans to start a gang war. When Mr. Tan never replies to him, Sean and Gus conclude that he doesn't speak English as Sean begins to act out his story. This scene was <laughs> so ridiculously dumb. His charades were... This, this again, was James Roday bringing his A game to season five, starting it off right. He was so funny. So stupid and dumb, but so good. So good. Oh, this I just realized funny. I have a psych degree of separation to, this, uh, to the title of this episode. What? Don't tell us. So you remember the episode with um, Yin talking to Allie? Uh-huh. When I referred to theater school and um, how we had the yes. same teacher. So the, my first main stage play at SC was Romeo and Juliet in the really? theater. Yeah, in that same space where our acting teacher was talking about how amazing Allie was as a student. That's so cool. Well, I just really brought it back to me there. You see how I did that? I love to that you me. did that. And I actually love this, t- this information. Who were you? I was Capulet. You were Juliet's dad? I don't know Juliet's why dad. that just got, got me. <laughs> Anyway, as if I have anything to do with it. Okay, (laughs) Mr. Tan, but I love the tidbit. Mr. Tan says he doesn't want to get involved in the business because he knows the feud will never end if he does. So Sean steps up declaring that he will be the one to head to Tenno's headquarters and set matters straight. Sean calls Juliet to help, but she tells him to call Lassie instead. That's when Sean and Gus find the kidnapped Becky and Sang. After monologuing about what went down the entire episode, Sean and Tenno break into a ninja-style brawl where Sean fights back as best he can. This is crazy. This was also a crazy fight. Just as Sean is about to lose all hope in the fight, Juliet shows up just in time and arrests Tenno. Sean is relieved. The shot of Byron, I mean, James, busting through the the wall. Yeah. Crazy. And that we get to those. So Sean is relieved, quite sweaty. Juliet thanks Sean for helping encourage her to get back out in the field. Very sweet. Nice little moment between them. And then for the first time... In, at least on Peacock, I, that I've seen, the bloopers are run at the credits. And so this is like, so we get to see these crazy stunts. Do you know how many times Byron had to jump through that wall? I mean, they show it. That's crazy. He's incredible. It's so wild because I actually was like trying to spot Byron, like trying to yeah. see his face. I mean, you have to give such a shout out to these stunt guys and also the camera guys. Because the camera team, because I never saw his face. He's, I mean, I can tell it's Byron, but like barely. Yeah, but just we know, because we know Byron, we know how big his shoulders are. That Yes. He, He's I mean, incredible. Physically. I thought about how hard this episode must have been for them. I love cooking at home for so many reasons. It's like meditative for me. It's It's something new I've kind of discovered. I always liked to cook, but it took on a whole other thing during the pandemic, as we all know, but I've, I've actually held on to it and I love it. But the most important thing is having the right cookware and also having legit nonstick pans, not the ones that just say they are, <laughs> but the ones that actually are. That's where Green Pan comes in. In 2007, Green Pan's founders discovered that traditional nonstick pans were made with plastic coatings that can turn toxic with heat. That's why they created a new alternative without quote, forever chemicals. Green Pan introduced the world to ceramic nonstick cookware and have over 150 patents to prove it. They are the leaders in creating cookware without harmful toxins. So why does making cookware with ceramic matter? 
It doesn't emit fumes when it's cooked, conducts heat evenly. It's super easy to clean up and allows you to cook with less oil or butter, making the foods you cook healthier. I'm obsessed with Green Pan. You all, I'm obsessed. Aside from various cookware collections, they also carry kitchen appliances like slow cookers and waffle makers, bakeware, and premier cutlery that's crafted from recycled steel. And they've got a 60-day return policy. So you have plenty of time to make sure Green Pan is right for you. It will be. Let's just make that very clear. Not only is Green Pan great for your kitchen, especially if you're looking to like upgrade or have a cleaner way of cooking. Beautiful. Like they're so beautiful. And you guys know that I am a sucker for packaging, pretty packaging. They have so many colors. The hardware comes in different colors. They're absolutely beautiful. And every time I cook with them, which is all the time now, everyone asks me, about Green Pan. It is 2023. Are you still cooking with pans made out of plastic? Head to greenpan.us and use promo code pineapple and you will receive 30% off your entire order plus free shipping on orders over $99. That's right. 30% off. That's a huge deal. And the stuff is so good. Whether you buy one pan or a whole set, it's 30% off. Get it now. So head to greenpan.us and make sure you use our promo code pineapple. That's our premiere of season five. Hot and we have fan it. questions too. Again, I, before we, I want to close it off saying I still under protest do this episode because we did not have enough Lassiter Julia. Although when um, there's a nice moment when Julia comes in and saves the day. Yeah. Cause I like that she's moment. slowly coming back. And I love that Julia like starts off season five. Badass Juliet is already there. Yeah. I like that and too. James it's like he gets her back. James yeah. has a nice little moment of, should we hug? And her reply is, we could. So it's like, oh, there's the little beginning of the Shules is there. Little beginning of Shules is only there. To, only also, to be blocked by Lasseter. You coming in with your taxes. Very, I mean, there are some, the, these last few moments I feel like are are really big because there's like a little wink, wink at Shules. There's a little... Lassiette going on. Like, there's just like all the stuff kind of comes back around, but it's just for that quick moment in the end. And it's interesting the um, scene that um, both Sean and Vic are the ones who sort of have the heart to heart with um, O'Hara saying, you know, yeah. to get back on the horse. And yeah, which is like, normally that would have been the scene that, that Lassiter has with her. Yeah. But I wonder if like it's still so fresh for both of them. I wonder if the chief and Sean are kind of pushing her a little bit. Right. I don't think you'd do that. I think you're a little bit more, I think you miss me and you want to come and involve me as much as you can. But I I can't see Lassiter in that moment showing up and being like, yo, you need to come back. Yeah, you know, no. Like you need to get ready. There's no way he'd, he'd push her. No, good. So in know. a way it's very respectful. It's actually, he's the only one that's giving her the space that she asked for. Well, kind again, of. I mean, he keeps showing up. But. And I was Juliet's dad in the play. So exactly. No. So I, he's got to be there and. Yeah, he knows what's best for her, which would be, um, yeah, for her. He, yeah, he's not going to push her, and he wants. You're absolutely he's known since right. College, what's best for her? <laughs> you're absolutely right. That's why there was never that scene. He needs her to make sure she. Which is also that scene would we then have that scene in Psych the movie? Yeah, a little bit of. Oh, okay. Fan, fan, fan questions. Fan questions. Okay. Fan Did questions. James do the question. stunt, or was that a stunt person? The fence stunt. I feel like that was Byron. I'm thinking that was Byron. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Byron. Was the ever so slight darkening of the hair a Maggie decision or a scripted choice? You know, I like to always play with my hair. And I think there was a thing that was like, 
if there was ever a time I was going to go darker, it would be after what Juliet just went through. So I feel like it was kind of a mutual thing. I don't think it was scripted that I had darker hair. I think it was something we all talked about going into the season of like, I think I had mentioned it in, in the past, like even like, oh, should my hair be lighter? Should I be darker? Should I cut it? Should I do it? And I think this was the time that was like, oh, this this makes sense. Like this is when she would want to change, as we often do. We change something when we're but also after we go. not just the color of the hair, the style of the hair. I don't know. I don't think Adina was still, was on was still working with us at the time, but I have some bangs too. No, but yeah, what, like, what we're saying, like your hair, bangs. your hair looked great. My overall note for this episode is you look dynamite in this in this episode. Thanks. I think you do too. Like your hair growing in and all that, like we're talking about. I think we're all, everybody looks real good. Everybody looks real good going into season five. I also noticed the lighting's a little different. Like I think the whole episode, it looked a little different. And noticing on um, the, on the slate, there's that picture I sent of the slate. There's Scott Williams was yeah. thinking on this one. Okay. So that's why. Okay. Got it. So Everything's know, a little different. Yeah. I don't Makeup's know if this a little Scott's, different. Huh? I'm not sure if this is Scott's first episode. I don't think it would be, but maybe. I don't think it's his first episode, but I think there is a little bit of a shift. We also, it may have been when we went from film to digital, like it oh. might, there's like a couple different things going on there, but I, I agree with you. I thought, I thought it looked really good. Yeah. But our beloved um, Mike McMurray was not, was not DP mm -mm. on this one. Is anyone in the cast a fan of martial arts? I don't I know. Feel, I feel like Dulé Hill would be. I feel like Dulé would be too. Um, but we, I don't know this for sure. I know that my nephews are wonderful. At karate. But, karate, uh, as SpongeBob says. Karate. Okay, is there anything you wanted to do as a child that your parents said no to? Oh, man. I feel like I, I got to do a lot. I got away with a lot. I feel like it was like, no, do you? I, I feel like my parents would say they'd do their best to make it happen. I'd be like, I want to try out for a play. I want to try out for this. I want to play softball. I want to, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they let me run off and join the circus, so. And, and, it, and it occurred to me, like, when I said, I'm going to go be an actor, and I'm going to start taking classes in Seattle and learn how to ride the bus from Bellevue into Seattle. Yeah, there, there you go. The only thing that's funny, I was just talking to my sister about this. I wanted to play horn. I, I wanted to play trumpet. It's like, oh. in, in elementary school, instead, um, they pushed me towards violin, which I absolutely hated the violin. I was a horrible highland violin player, but we had a family violin that my mom used to play. So, because we had it, they're like, well, that's. We'll save money. So just take a violin. I was so bad. I eventually switched over to, to double bass, which thank I was a much better upright bass jazz player than I was orchestral violin player. I was la literally last chair in the junior high school orchestra. I and, know that. And, and was finally, I was like, and we needed a bass player for the orchestra. So it's actually on a trip with, with my dad to um, my parents to uh, we were in Vienna and um, we were sitting there listening to this orchestra play and, my dad said to me, there was a, an upright bass player in this quartet. My dad said, you hate violin, why don't you switch to bass? And, and my orchestra needed a bass player. So I went, got home, went to the art conductor or band leader and said, hey, I'm thinking about switching over to bass. And he's like, that'd be great. Oh my gosh, really? So I played jazz, upright jazz bass all through high school. And yeah. We, and traveled around with this great jazz. We had a, a really hardcore great jazz band for the Bellevue, Bellevue, Washington State Bellevue School District. You know, like high school jazz band was kind of legendary. Got to college, couldn't afford a bass. They're too hard to carry. And that's when I, I took up harmonicas because it'd be much easier to carry around a harmonica in my pocket. Of course. Oh, you're such a good harmonica player. Yeah. Or harmonica. Is it a player? I guess it is. Yes. Harmonic, yeah. Harmonicaist. Harmon harmonicaist. You're very good. 
Very good. I love that story. I didn't know this about you, Tim. See, I love it. It's season five and we're still learning things. You're still learning things about me. We can me. still surprise our surprise each other even after all these years. Trying to keep our friendship fresh, everybody. Got to keep it fresh. Got to keep each other on our toes. Okay, last question. Do you have any outtakes? Do you and Tim have any outtakes that weren't released for the episode? No. This was not. Because we barely, had any, we barely so. had any scenes together. And we were also not in it very much. Yeah, so I feel like I, I don't know. I don't feel like we have any extras. But, man, it was so fun to see the bloopers. I want more of that. I want to see if there's one there after the next one. Maybe season five, we start doing that on Peacock. So as, we jump, as, yeah, as we jump to Feet Don't Feel Me Now, ne- next feet don't episode. Ki- feet Don't Kill Me Now. Then um, um, we'll find out if, if we get if we get some psych outs at the end of Yeah. I would love to see those psych outs of you tapping. Oh, there'll be much discussion about that next week. Yes. Tim, that's our episode. Yay! Holy shit, season five, everybody. Season, season five, we did it. Season V for the uh, the Roman yeah. numerals, everybody. Yeah. It's special. I just want to close this out with, again, thank you for bringing me into this podcast. The highlight of my week. Thank and you for- I love you and I love doing this with you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And come see us live in Detroit and hopefully many, many, many more live shows after that. Come see us live, everybody, and more live shows. And thank you all for listening. And Tim, I love that we get to do this every week together and love you and love the new glasses. And I'll see you for Feet Don't Kill Me Now very soon. Yay. This episode was such a great start to the season, honestly. The memories are starting to get more and more vivid, you know, as the time goes on because they're actually closer in years to where we are. Oh, I really, really, really miss. I miss doing this every single day. Anyway, hopefully we will be doing more. But anyway, see you next week where we talk about season five, episode two, Feet Don't Kill Me Now. And don't forget to follow us on our Instagram at the Psychologist Are In and our Twitter at Psychologist Pod. Plus, Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash psychologists are in for full video episodes of the pod and visit motorcitycomicon.com if you want to see me and Tim podcast the shit out of it live in Michigan. We cannot wait to see you all. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.